You're listening to Trending with Timory, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. National speaker Timory Millington has been a passionate advocate for life as long as she can remember, helping Gen X through Z answer the call to true feminism and authentic manhood. Timory holds a master's degree in biblical theology, and she covers this week's hottest stories from a Catholic worldview. You're listening to Trending with Timory. We have a full episode coming up today. Do you or someone you know have a friend or family member who has experienced same-sex attraction and they wish they weren't going through that? How can we help those people who experience same-sex attraction, want to live in accordance with the Catholic faith, want to live a chaste lifestyle? What can we do to help? We'll be talking about that in particular a little later on. Today, my guest is Michael Gasparro. He is an associate marriage and family therapist. He's worked under Dr. Joseph Nicolosi, and he works as a reintegrative therapist, specifically working with people who experience same-sex attraction. Welcome, Michael. Thanks for having me, Timory. It's great to have you. Now, you've also shared your own testimony in the past, which we aren't diving into today, but I like people to be aware of it. Can you share kind of a Sparks Note version so people have an idea of where you're coming from? I experienced same-sex attraction as a child and into an adolescent age, at which time after confessing to a priest about some of these struggles, he helped me get connected to therapy that helped me to live in line with my conscience and values. God's work in my life has been a long journey, and I have had many ups and downs and times in which I really tried to do things my own way instead of following God's way. And I still have struggles, but I'm uh, on a path that is contradicting the narrative in our culture that you are once gay, always gay, and must stay that way, because I've experienced tremendous healing, live my life as a heterosexual man, and do my best to help guide others towards healing. And praise God, what a testimony to chastity in a culture that is so sexualized. And you are living a chaste lifestyle like so many of us are trying to show us beacons of light in the midst of everything we're surrounded by. Trying to live this life and live it with joy, because the truth is that chastity as a virtue leads us to greater joy and freedom, not less. If we were to have one theme for today's show, it would really be this idea of understanding self-determination. You know, Michael, we'll be talking about this a little later with regard to some of the church's documents uh, where it talks about how God created us male and female and so much of our identity and trajectory are oriented based on that. But today's ideology of self-determination is so confusing. It's kind of, I make myself whatever I want to be, wouldn't you say? It's so confusing because our bodies don't reveal that to be the case. Right. We have very clear, determined biology in all but very rare cases. And even in those cases, it's still male or female who created them. So it is definitely confusing when the culture tells us a narrative that implies our biology is unimportant and unrelated to our identity. You know, you heard this maybe when you were a child, this idea you can't put, you know, a square peg in a round hole. It doesn't work that way. Yet this is really the perfect analogy for the challenges surrounding 
homosexuality, transgenderism, and the confusion that we are becoming less and less ourselves the further we get away from the basic understanding of biology. In fact, I think that that stands out. Michael, I want to get your thoughts here. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Trending with Tim Ray. That's Michael Gasparro. He is a faithful and well-formed Catholic. He works as a youth minister and is also a marriage and family therapist. Michael, there is a story that came out earlier this year, which was fascinating because it was really commissioned by GLAAD. And if you don't know, if you're listening, who GLAAD is, they are an organization that pushes, and might I say, forces same-sex storylines and characters into movies, television shows, and songs. Now, they were looking at public opinion on the topic of homosexuality, and they commissioned this study, and there's a comparison between the 2017 results and the 2018 results. And the bottom line is, in one year from the shift of 2017 to 2018, public opinion changed for the demographic of age 18 to 34, so young adults, and that many of them felt uncomfortable more uncomfortable than before with things such as learning that a family member was experiencing same-sex attraction, learning that their doctor was someone who experienced same-sex attraction, or even more so learning that their child was being taught lessons in school about LGBTQ history. What are your initial thoughts, Michael? It's interesting because whenever you mentioned the same-sex attraction, let's say, phrase, this particular research did not use that language. And the reason I'm highlighting the difference, I think you'll agree with me probably, Timory, but if not, let me know. I wonder if people might be less uncomfortable knowing that their doctor or whoever has an experience of same-sex attraction but is living a chaste life Mm. versus an LGBTQ plus identified individual. Because one actually implies more about a person than the other. LGBTQ implies a very active participation in that lifestyle. So I would be curious to see what the distinction would be between those two labels. My instinct is that these researchers immediately found this data and then drew conclusions with no evidence for their conclusions. (laughs) They're claiming that it's because people are less tolerant based on a variety of theories they have. They have no evidence for those theories. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Did you notice that in reading the article? You know, the article turned into talking about bullying and people being picked on. And, you know, it's interesting because your colleague who you recommended for the show, Dr. Laura Haynes, came on just a couple weeks ago here with us on Trending. And she was talking about how, in fact, uh, religious institutions, the schools, specifically for children um, that hold to a Catholic Christian worldview, were known to be safer spaces for children who experience same-sex attraction so far forth because they were less bullied and so forth. So I just find it interesting because anytime you hear someone object to any type of LGBTQ lifestyle, immediately we are labeled as hateful and intolerant. But that's not the case. I think one thing that stood out to me here is that it showed that 18 to 34 year olds are uncomfortable if their own children are receiving lessons on LGBTQ history. They're not saying that they hate the people. They're saying, I'm uncomfortable learning this. I'm uncomfortable learning that my doctor. Let's get into the doctor side in a second. What are your thoughts on the children's stories and history side? We've seen that the LGBTQ activists show very little caution and how they present these materials to young people. Mm -hmm. And I think for this reason, parents have caution. That's my theory. I don't have a ton of evidence for that theory, which is why I'm not going to declare it to be true 
completely and without any question, unlike the LGBTQ researchers who immediately declared that the entire reason for this backlash is because of religious intolerance or whatever other sad theory they've come up with for the reasons of their findings. And this is what's challenging, and you noted this earlier. People who were asked in the survey more so were really being asked, are you uncomfortable if a family member comes out as gay? Are you uncomfortable if your doctor ends up revealing that they're gay? And we really emphasize, and I know you and I are on the same page here, gay is a lifestyle. It's not an identity. Um, And someone can experience same-sex attraction, which you were pointing to earlier, and not act on it. In fact, they can live a chaste lifestyle. And so in reality, I know people who are striving so hard, young and old alike within our Catholic church, fighting to remain in a state of grace, living a chaste lifestyle, despite the challenges they do indeed face. Exactly. And whenever we're talking about these issues with children, people are cautious because they don't want their children to be sexualized at an age when they are not yet sexual. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that people feel empowered to stand up against the LGBTQ plus interventions for young children because the messages they spread often cause and sow confusion amongst young people. I personally read some of the material that is provided to children in Los Angeles <laughs> at as early as second grade about mm-hmm. transgenderism, for instance, and I find it confusing as an adult male who's well-formed in my faith. I can't imagine how confusing it would be to a child. And this is not to cast hate or disrespect towards any member of the LGBTQ plus community, I think we should really be loving, but love does not just roll over and say anything goes. Love also stands for truth. You hit the nail on the head, and I think that's exactly why we're seeing this change of almost 10% more people being uncomfortable with the whole topic of their kids being taught LGBTQ things. One, from the perspective, like you said, being overly sexualized. Two, it's confusing them. I'll never forget that little girl, Casey, that came out of the UK, her video this summer, where she said she's 10 years old and she and another classmate got expelled or I think it was suspended for a week or so because they spoke out out against some of the coloring book pictures for LGBTQ issues that were being pressured on them. You know, kids are confused and overly sexualized. And the little girl herself said, we are confused now when we weren't before. Two, I want to touch on the uncomfortableness with regard to learning that a person's doctor identifies with living some sort of gay lifestyle. Uh, there's been a huge jump in more people in that 18 to 34 range being uncomfortable with this issue. I think it's because if someone doesn't really fall in line with, especially the transgender issue, isn't there concern about how they might treat someone's body? The reality is we're different, right? I think there's concern confusion and concern, it doesn't mean that we're saying, I don't think you're saying this either, that LGBT people can't make fantastic doctors. The issue is that people who are uncomfortable with this, it does not necessarily reflect on them in a bigoted way. It might just mean that they don't trust somebody who seems to lack the willingness to confront obvious biological evidence about the male and female nature of the human species. Mm-hmm. I think that's so well put. It's just, it's obvious and there's concern if someone's not accepting or someone's rejecting that. In addition to that, and, you know, someone's going to have this elephant in the room of what they're thinking about. You know, if you are going in for some sort of checkup and you find that the person's, you know, attracted in some sort of confusing way, there can be a little bit of discomfort when sexual orientation seems to be off of where it should be and you're dealing with intimate issues in a doctor's office. I think that all of these things are showing that more people 
people in that 18 to 34 range have common sense, not that they're disliking people, but there's discomfort with some of these issues. We'll be right back with Michael Gasparo. Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. We've all faced this challenge, having a family member or maybe even a close friend who ended up maybe coming out as gay, who has maybe privately shared that they're experiencing same-sex attraction. And there's always that question of what do we do? How do we interact? Sometimes I think we panic and overthink it most of the time. But another perspective we've not talked about is what if that person doesn't want the same-sex attraction? What if they are a faithful Catholic and they're trying to live in accordance with their Catholic faith, which calls them to chastity? How can we support these people or how can we even maybe present this as a lifestyle option for people? To talk about that is Michael Gasparo. He is an associate marriage and family therapist. He is doing incredible work with re- as a reintegrative therapist. And he's also a faithful Catholic working in Catholic education as well. Michael, tell us how do we approach this issue, both from the perspective of someone who's wanting to live in accordance with their faith, or also from maybe proposing this to someone who's just sharing with you that they're experiencing same-sex attraction. The bottom line is that the catechism itself of the Catholic Church presents us with a twofold challenge to not approve of homosexual behavior, but to accept with respect, compassion, and sensitivity those who experience and are challenged with these issues. Each of us is called as a Catholic to meditate pray and discern how to live that out in regard to the way we interact with these family and friends of ours. This is very clear, uh, and I think it helps as a really good starting point to help people distinguish between acceptance of a person and not approving certain behaviors. But then again, that's where it becomes difficult. How do we engage with the topic? Do we avoid the topic? Do we bring it up when it comes up? I've always taken the approach, and Michael, tell me what your approach generally is. I don't go after the issue. If they want to talk about it, they have the opportunity to discuss it. The reality is, depending on your relationships, really going to determine whether or not the doors open for you to provide various ideas. But at the end of the day, we're called a Christian witness. And so the way you live a chaste heterosexual relationship shows great influence. The way, you know, maybe you talk about pornography and the harms of pornography um, is helpful because sometimes these are topics that people are struggling with that I think opening that door to discuss is very helpful. What are your thoughts? A great phrase comes to mind. The best sermon you can give is the witness of your life. And so often when I hear people talk about this issue, they say that they want to be truthful. But your testimony will Mm -hmm. determine the level at which somebody can receive your truth. Mm -hmm. If you are a person who is not committed to the virtue of chastity in your life, you will have very little ground to stand on when discussing these challenging topics with a friend who deals with homosexuality or transgenderism. So we must start looking within ourselves. Jesus talks about that a lot. Pull the plank out of your own eye before you pull the speck of sawdust out of your brother's. So that's the first step. The second step is be in relationship with people. I have a very close friend who I've known for years, who used to be on the similar path that I'm on. We talked in your show about how I experienced same-sex attraction. 
but I've taken the path of accepting the Church's teachings and striving to live them out in my life, according to my conscience and God's teachings. This friend left that path. They're very kind. They're a good person in many ways. They don't believe in God right now, and now they're dating men. I have not cut that person out of my life. I spend time with them. We have meals together. We break bread together. We share love for one another. And in that witness of my life, I think I have an opportunity to learn from him and to teach him in ways that I wouldn't if I dismissed him because he was currently rebelling against what we once shared in common. Oh, you just hit a phrase that I can hear people, the bells going off in other people's minds. The topic of learning from someone who lives a different lifestyle from you. I agree with what you just said, but sometimes people um, are afraid. And so even the idea of learning from someone, you know, sometimes maybe, uh, you know, we have to be open to learning where other people at. Does that mean we go and engage in certain illicit behaviors? No, but we need to have our pulse sometimes on the culture in order to better respond to the modern day arguments and ways of thinking of today with charity, essentially. With charity, and I meant not just learning about the issue of same-sex attraction, because I clearly have done a lot of research in my own life and in my professional world. I mean learning from him as a human being. Exactly. And learning about God's work in his life, because I do see God still active in his life. Even though he does not believe in God, God believes in him, and God is at work in some ways in his life. And when God helps me by the power of the Holy Spirit to see his work in this man's life, it helps me to enact agape, unconditional love towards him. And that is healing for both of us. I pray now that this person, this friend of mine, will come back to the truth. But I don't think dismissing him is going to lead him any closer to that truth. Also, you know, even when, and you emphasized it so well, the idea of seeing the human side and learning from the human side of the person, not just about the issue of same-sex attraction and so forth. But I think sometimes even seeing the goodness in the other person and encouraging that. I mean, who doesn't have a friend who's maybe fallen away from the church, fallen away from a chaste lifestyle, and now they are trying to, you know, hopefully you're trying to stay present in that person's life. It's not always easy. You know, distance can make it harder. Busyness of life can make it difficult. But we're called to affirm the good in that person, to encourage it and draw it out. And I think that that's one of the problems is when we start to shut the door so quickly, it prevents the good from coming out in that person because maybe the good in that person is really seen when they're engaging with other good people. Exactly. And remember, sometimes when we are witnessing to others, they're actually witnessing to us in unknown ways at first as well. And being open to that can be helpful. I will add a caveat. If you're somebody who deals with same-sex attraction and you no longer are living a gay lifestyle, it can be triggering if you spend time with people who are still living that lifestyle and maybe even tempting. So you have to also know yourself, and you might have to remove certain friends from your life if it is because it is leading you towards sin or leading you away from your path. So you must also respect your own conscience. It does not mean you're bigoted because you choose to leave certain friendships behind. And I want to add that to say that just because I'm engaging in this way with this friend doesn't mean everyone should engage that way with all friends, no matter what. We're not always there. And I find often in a conversion type process 
that often early on in that conversion, there's a natural sense of judgmentalism that occurs. And I find that's usually the case in the spiritual journey because we're trying to separate ourselves out from that sinful behavior that we ourselves engaged in, or maybe we were too closely associated with. So the judgment isn't so much on the person, but gosh, I can't be involved with that because I'm trying so hard to live this Mm -hmm. lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Just like somebody who's struggling with alcoholism Mm. might need to not go to bars anymore. (laughs) So I'm not having that conversation with my friend at a gay bar. I'm having it at a Mexican restaurant, let's say, in Hollywood or something. So the setting, the people, all of these things, if you want to be a witness to Christ's work in your life, you're going to have to do it in a way that fits within your conscience and is well-supporting your lifestyle of chastity as well. You're listening to Trending with Timory. That's Michael Gasparo. Be sure to follow me on Instagram. I love to post throughout the week, and we'll tag Michael as well if you want to follow him and his awesome music and incredibly talented. You can find me at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, where I tag Michael. Michael, let's talk about this from a different perspective. Say there's a friend or family member who experiences same-sex attraction, but they want to live in accordance with the Catholic faith. What can we do to help? The most important thing for your audience to remember is that there is therapy that can help people with unwanted same-sex attraction to get to the root of their issues and to improve their state and their ability to live according to their conscience. I'm a practitioner of reintegrative therapy where we do that in an ethical way, utilizing evidence-based therapy practices. There is also great ministries available, such as joel225.org, which is a Christian ministry online support for men and women of the same-sex attraction, and other organizations in the Catholic Church, such as the Courage Apostolate. Awesome. Awesome resources. And we'll be sure to link to those in the notes for this show, whether you're listening on iTunes online or if you're listening on the radio, head over to radiotrending.com where you can get links and more information, not only about my guest, but also other episodes where he's joined us here on Trending. Michael always has incredible insight on this issue. What else can we do, Michael, to be supportive? Maybe we know someone, they're struggling, you know, prayer life, um, mass, like various things. What was helpful for you that you wish, and maybe you had that person who was encouraging you in a particular way? I think it's very important to remember that individuals struggling with same-sex attraction need love just like everyone else. And so if you can be agape, be unconditional love to that person, especially in the context of their faith. So that might mean going to church together or attending young adult ministry with one another and integrating your friendship and your faith together. That can be a powerful remedy to bring and usher God's healing into the wounds in their life that might help them to overcome those feelings of unworthiness or that they may not belong because of this struggle. We live in a culture where so many people are struggling with friendships, depression, all of these different issues, pornography. And what you're saying is such a model, no matter what the struggle is, invite people to do things. Invite people into your church life. Invite people into your friendship, into your home. You know, you mentioned earlier having a meal with someone, giving that opportunity of time is so fundamental. Absolutely. It's fundamental in our faith practice and just to be a good human person to that other individual and show them basic human kindness. You might not be able to bring them to church with you right away, but you can get coffee. That's usually an entry point. So start small if you have to. 
That's Michael Gasparro. You're listening to Trending with Timurate. Coming back, we'll be talking about two topics. How some airline services have modified what you can now view on your in-flight service. And two, we'll be diving into the topic of self-determination. This is the argument people have with regard to same-sex attraction. We'll be taking it up from a Catholic perspective. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Timory here, a message about our sponsors here on Trending. Solidarity HealthShare is simple, to help pay for affordable, quality health care. They enable the community to share in each other's eligible medical expenses. You choose the doctors that you want to see. Even integrative and alternative medical treatments are eligible. Solidarity HealthShare helps pay for NAPRO technology and costs associated with natural family planning. Solidarity HealthShare is dedicated to both faith and your health care. Information is available at SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. We are back, and the topic here is this insanity that I really don't want to spend too much time on, but every now and again, we need to bring up what is just absolutely unacceptable so we know what to avoid and what we're up against. So Delta Airlines, after a tremendous amount of pushback, has now been pressured into essentially offering in-flight television shows and movies. For example, some of them include Booksmart and Rocketman, where they have scenes that depict essentially uh, conversation about same-sex issue. But even going past that, they become vulgar scenes in some ways in terms of the conversation even and language. And then also uh, showing showing some scenes that make many people feel uncomfortable where you have two people of the same sex uh, making out on the screen and, you know, just think about it. You're sitting on the fly and someone next to you can see this. Maybe there's a young child. It's problematic. And so in the past, Delta Airlines has really tried to vet most of these scenes out. They've used a third party company to do so. Well, after tremendous pushback, that's no longer the case. I have Michael Gasparro, who's a marriage and family therapist, dealing with this issue having to do with same-sex attraction. Michael, what are your thoughts on this? Well, we don't have pornography on planes for a reason. <laughs> I feel like that's enough said. I mean, isn't so, it obvious? I mean, yeah, it's, I, it's very sad. Uh, there's, I noticed when I was on the plane the other day, by the way, that there are a disproportionate number of LGBT-themed movies on the offerings that they have anyway. There are basically five or six of the most famous LGBT movies in the last 10 to 15 years, all available streaming. And it seems kind of interesting to me that that percentage is a bit skewed given the amount of movies there are in total over the last 20 years. Absolutely. I'm 100% on board with you. And I mean, a lot of people don't even use in-flight service. A lot of people already have stuff on their iPad or whatever type of mobile device they use. And unfortunately, I've been next to people when they're looking at pornography on their screen next to me in a flight. And I could go into further detail, but let me just tell you, um, the tray tables, not cool when people are allowed to watch their own shows anymore I and mean, it's atrocious <laughs> what is happening i can imagine so many of my friends giggling at me like you are right now um the level of discomfort is real and then you add the fact you know there are kids here this is indecent exposure this is exposure to things that parents aren't ready to talk to their kids about uh i don't think that delta airlines should have caved to you know a crowd of people who feel 
um, like there's intolerance with regard to them because that's not what it's about. It's about kids and it's about being polite in public society. Sometimes I'm patient and sometimes I'm not. And with this issue, I'm just not very patient. This is absurd. <laughs> I mean, I cannot tell you how ridiculous it is that there is an outcry over same-sex kisses or sex scenes being removed from the flight. If you want to watch the movie that badly, when you get off of the plane, you can go stream it on your iPad right when you get home. I just don't understand the outrage. You can make that sound so creepy. Fine, go home. Go into your bedroom by yourself and watch these inappropriate scenes. Like, that's kind of where I'm going with this. If you really want it that bad, just go into the darkness of your own home and do it, please. Like, leave us alone. You're in public. What happened to that whole idea of common courtesy? There's a reason people are saying common courtesy isn't so common anymore. And I think some people have made the argument that they're not equally censoring heterosexual sex scenes. Well, first of all, they should right. censor heterosexual sex scenes on planes. Second of all, maybe it's true. There is somewhat of a difference. If you have just a basic heterosexual kiss, as Catholics, we would say that's less disturbing for a child to see than a same-sex kiss. Mm-hmm. So part of it is our bias, but everyone has a bias, and we think their bias is more harmful to children than ours. Yeah. So I will stand by what we said. Those scenes should be removed from plane in-flight material, especially since there's no age requirements on the flight. Anyone, any child sitting in those seats can click on those movies. Um, And ultimately, at the end of the day, if you want to watch it, you can go home and watch it on your own time. Amen to that. That is Michael Gaspar. You are listening to Trending with Timory. Changing topics slightly here. Um, There has been this issue, especially in the state of California and other states, where we have been battling this pressure to force not only religious, uh, whether it's a um, sermon, whether or not it's a priest, any type of denomination, doesn't matter what it is, to not speak in opposition to topics of homosexuality, transgenderism, any of it. In fact, um, we faced a bill a couple times here in the state of California that would even go so far as to remove any literature that opposed the same-sex lifestyle. Well, we got rid of that. But then we have this concurrent um, resolution here in the state of California that has no legal binding um, that is now saying that, yeah, you still can't do that. You can't oppose the same sex lifestyle, not legally binding, but I think it's a scare tactic that unfortunately some people will follow. But now, Michael, we're facing in the entire country this Equality Act that we've not heard a lot about. It's already passed through Congress, but is now waiting any day now to be heard in the Senate. Uh, This Equality Act is essentially doing the same thing, but with the entire country now. The bottom line is conversion therapy is wrongfully applied to our work, reintegrative therapy, and used by our opposition to put us out of business to help keep people from getting the very help they want and need. And that's the saddest part of all of this. And so what it's doing in the Equality Act, it would make it across the board in the entire nation. If you experienced same-sex attraction, you wanted a therapy that allowed you to follow in line with what your church practices, calling you to chastity, not calling you to be forced into heterosexuality, no, calling you to chastity, calling you to sexual freedom. The Equality Act would make it difficult to give this type of access. Not only that, Michael, the Equality Act, would essentially force funding for sex changes, force doctors into um, providing sex changes. We'd see this uh, increased issue over bathrooms. It would make it mandatory that a man could go into any woman's bathroom and vice versa, even on school campuses. The entire thing is absolute 
chaos and for somehow it passed through Congress despite common sense. And now any day the Senate may or may not take it up. I hear what you're saying. The Democratic Congress likely passed this as a way to virtue signal, but they're also conflating conversion therapy with actual reintegrative therapy or good therapy practiced by licensed clinicians. Conversion therapy is a term applied to things practiced by non-licensed individuals. And quite frankly, Timory, it's dog whistle language because anytime you hear the word conversion therapy, it's really a phrase now that is used to discriminate against Judeo-Christian sexual ethics and people who hold those ethics dear. You know, what frustrates me about this, you and I did a whole show pretty much talking about the issue of what is and what is not conversion therapy. And even then, there's no real classification of it. But I love the work that you're doing with reintegrative therapy. And you've mentioned it multiple times. There are three primary areas that you treat in as a result, not as a result, but kind of as a byproduct, the same-sex attraction dissipates. Can you speak briefly to those three areas? Yes, we address trauma, neglect and other behavioral addictions related to people's childhood and present that contribute to their experience of unwanted same-sex attraction. And as we use standard evidence-based psychotherapy to address these issues, many times people experience a shift in their sexual orientation or attraction and or the ability to respond to those attractions in a way that's more in line with their conscience with greater ease. And politicians have no business deciding who can get help and who can't. It's absurd to practice in this false political landscape where you pretend that you're protecting LGBT people when really you're discriminating against people with same-sex attractions who want and need help to deal with their unwanted same-sex issues. And this Equality Act is not equality. It's inequality, in fact. And again, it's taking freedom away from the person who is struggling with same-sex attraction to live according to lifestyle they wish. It is forcing religious organizations, will force religious organizations um, to not speak out against the same-sex lifestyle. And just the reality of this is so detrimental. And we're not even talking about the fact that the body is objectively male or female unless there is a very very rare chromosomal deformity or genitalia uh, a deformity in the genitalia area i mean this is absolutely atrocious because this would impact also education for young children this would implement even further not just in california but across the nation curriculums that are incredibly sexualized and inappropriate for little kids to deal with but also, again, it comes back to medical treatment. So do we treat the body as male or female or just according to what someone identifies as? I mean, it doesn't work that way. There is objective reality to medical science. People want and need help. I work with them every week. I see between 15 and 18 clients a week who are from different parts of the world, different backgrounds that want and need help to deal with their same-sex sexuality or other strange sexual issues that are challenges for them that go against their conscience. Politicians have no right to tell them that they don't have the ability to seek therapy to live according to their conscience. So we should, as faithful Catholics, stand up for the rights of individuals to seek therapy that helps people live according to their conscience. 
Amen to that. That's Michael Gasparo. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Another area that Michael shared that they've worked in with their reintegrative therapy for people who experience same-sex attraction, trauma, neglect, he mentioned earlier, sexual addiction, sometimes that's to pornography. You know, I can't tell you guys, I hope you're listening right now, how often I hear from teenagers who are writing me saying they are struggling with a pornography addiction. They're struggling with just an outright sex addiction. And young girls, men who are struggling because of the culture we live in. And sometimes that leads them down a path that causes even more and more harm. We could go down so many of these issues. Michael Gasparro is one of many doing awesome work at the Reintegrative Therapy Network of Therapy. Please check them out. Head over to radiotrending.com to learn more. Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. It's great to be with you today. I want to just re-emphasize, we've been talking about the issue of same-sex attraction, helping family members who are struggling with it, helping family members who are struggling with it and want to live in accordance with the Catholic faith. They want to live a chaste lifestyle. These are things that we are taking up with my guest, marriage and family, associate marriage and family therapist, Michael Gasparo. He does awesome work with reintegrative therapy. You can check it out at reintegrativetherapy.com. We were talking earlier about how... There is an objective reality. Objectively, if a medical doctor is working on my body, treating it, he needs to treat it as a female biological body, vice versa with a man. There is objective reality. And in those rare cases where unfortunately some people do experience some type of deformity, whether the genitalia is deformed, well, we can look at the chromosomes and know whether or not that's a male or a female. Or maybe there's damage to the chromosomes. We might be able to look at the body. It is incredibly rare that we are not able to know whether or not someone is still biologically chromosomally a male or a female. Is that not right, Michael? God made them male or female. We know this as Catholics, and it's important that little confusions about biologicals of sex development disorders are not conflated with transgenderism. That's what the culture would like us to do, and it's false. There are certain rare cases, like you're mentioning, one out of every 1,500 to 2,000 live births, where there are some strange biological issues. of They call them the disorders of sex development. Those do not negate the binary reality of gender. Mm, amen to that. I want to take up the perspective of diving a little deeper into some of what the church is teaching. Um, actually, on the feast day, February 2nd, that's the feast of the presentation of our Lord in the temple. Also, my wedding day, this document came out this year titled Male and Female, He Created Them. And it's specifically looking for a way to create better dialogue and answer some of the questions surrounding gender theory. And it's in particular for educators, an excellent document readdressing yet again by the church and its same authenticity and same trajectory, never changing its teaching on the reality of being created as a male and female. Now, in that, we've got to talk about this gender theory that is just absolutely confusing people. I think the modern ideology, and we hinted at it at the beginning of the show, Michael, is that today you make who you are. 
you determine. You are able to do whatever you want and have this idea of self-determination. This is the pulse. In fact, in even people who aren't struggling with same-sex attraction, but even some people who are told you can do whatever you want, but they don't have the talents they need it need to, and then you know they're five hundred thousand dollars in debt and don't have a job. This is the lie of our culture today. It's very confusing when your body reveals one clear truth. I am a man, and the culture tells you that your biological reality has no bearing on your sense of self. This will sow chaos and confusion, especially among young people who are the most vulnerable to these kinds of nonsensical and unscientific claims. We as Catholics should push back against that and declare with certainty that there are two genders, male and female, and you are not assigned them at birth. It is revealed at birth. Mm. Amen. Amen to that. And that's where the church really points to its entire development of the human person overall. If you're to read this document, it's talking about the growth of the human person. And even in the mass readings this week, we're reading from Ephesians chapter four, and it was talking about the development of the human person, the development as man in his manhood and how that's what brings him into full maturity. So much of the church's teaching, and we've talked about this with Dr. Philip Chavez, Sex education within the context of the Catholic Church is understanding to be fully formed as a female character in line with your female biology or as a male character in line with your male biology. And here's one way to put it. We become more ourselves the more we fall in line with what we were created to be. And here's one way to think about it. If someone were to study some random human person, say there were no people in the world except for one, and they were to look at the male organs, they wouldn't understand the full purpose of the male body apart from the female body and vice versa. There's this revelation of the male body before the female body and in this complementarity that occurs that points to this idea of self-gift rather than self-determination in our culture. I love that explanation of self-gift rather than self-determination, because as you reference the complementarity of male and female, you're highlighting the importance of refusing as Catholics to negate the beauty of that complementarity. Male and female created them helps us to see that it is important that children are allowed to grow in the truth of the understanding that they complement one another as men and women. Mm-hmm. In that process, they begin to see God more fully, because, see, Bishop Barron says that God's love is like when light shines through a prism, and then a rainbow of colors comes out the other end. If you negate the beauty of the male created and the female created, then you negate a part of God's divine revelation through the human person. You know, the reality is, Michael, people want this picture-perfect world where, you know, self-determination is the way. If self-determination were the way, this utopia would be working. People want this utopia of the neuter, where all of us are neuter. We can be male or female. We can self-determine what we want to be. We don't have any potency. No children will come from a sexual act if we don't want it. But I'm sorry, the utopia of the neuter does not work. It doesn't. 
It's not working for us. It hasn't been working for us since the 60s. And we are seeing increase in sexually transmitted diseases, increase in HIV AIDS. Again, abortion continues to be on the rise. You know, you can say, oh, abortion numbers are going down, but we're seeing stats that are showing that self-induced abortions, RU46 abortions aren't even regulated in terms of numbers are on the rise. Again, this utopia of the neuter, it doesn't work. Women are women and men are men. And for young people, especially this document, male and female who created them, highlights the importance of not dismissing people with gender confusion, but not prescribing further confusion to solve existing confusion. Mm-hmm. Boundaries and structure framed with objective reality guide young people out of confusion and into clarity. And this document highlights the importance of that, and it does not dismiss the distress of those young people dealing with this issue. So we as Catholics are called to speak with truth, but with love and compassion for these young people. But let's not forget, gender confusion is on the rise. So it's not innate. You're not born strictly with gender confusion as a predetermined genetic condition. So if you indoctrinate young people with confusing ideas, don't be surprised when higher percentages of young people have gender confusion. It's absolutely heartbreaking what is happening. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray. That is Michael Gasparro. This confusion, I mean, we are doing such an injustice. We're not only doing a science experiment with young children as we're allowing for sex changes and sex replacement hormones to take place in kids who identify as transgender, but we're allowing for a social experiment to occur where we are literally politicizing children and this confusion, I mean, what are we doing? And I look back to this document, male and female, he created them from the Catholic Church, from the Congregation for Catholic Education. And I look at this idea that we don't talk about a lot, that people are putting the body and the will in kind of this animosity type of state where they're fighting each other. But in reality, the body and will have to be in conjunction. There has to be a conversation between nature and the material element of who we are. In fact, our material reality as male or female points to our nature. And, you know, in philosophy, there's this phrase that goes, you're matter and form, but mostly form. Matter is our body, but form is our spirit, our essence, right? Our nature of who we are. So yes, we're a body, a reality, but that also points to a spiritual reality and our will can fall in line with our body and vice versa. And the dirty little secret among the psychological community is that it is well understood that children mostly outgrow gender dysphoria far and beyond those who remain in a state of gender dysphoria. And if they're allowed without intervention, by the way, they will do that. I think close to 90% according to some statistics. So we need to allow this process of maturation to occur over time in children. Pope Benedict XVI said, and Pope Francis agreed and quoted him as saying, that we are in the age of sin against God the Creator. We are the created, not the Creator. If we forget that and reverse that order, hubris will lead us down a path that is harmful to young people. And we should have caution when we're addressing this issue with young people and allow them to seek therapy that helps them to accept their body instead of essentially condemns them to be a lifetime medical patient. This is a challenge to each of us to know what the church teaches because she is so wise 
in the over 2,000 years of church tradition. And I'm not talking about confusing statements that have been made by unfaithful individuals to the doctrine of the church. I'm saying know your scripture. Go and read Romans chapter 1. It summarizes and it goes into long form what Michael just said. We've turned our back on God the creator. And because of that, we have become unintelligible. Like I said, this neuter isn't working for us. It's not a utopia. It's creating bigger problems, greater confusion, and less happy people. You want to know how to be happy? Give of yourself. Be a contribution to society. You know, Father Spitzer, who's been joining us here on Trending, talks about living contributively. This is so fundamental to who we are. Michael Gaspar, where can people find more about the reintegrative therapy? You can visit us at reintegrativetherapy.com or at The Breakthrough Clinic. You can Google both of those to find our information. And you can also look for more resources through the Alliance for Therapeutic Voice and Scientific Integrity, which is an organization for which I'm a board member and helps promote the right for people to seek therapy to live according to their conscience. Excellent. And if you didn't catch that, you can head over to radiotrending.com. This episode is available now. You can look up links to this episode, all of the resources we mentioned, and find more about about Michael and episodes where he's joined us here on Trending. This has been Trending with Timory. To book her to speak or learn more about her guests, visit radiotrending.com. That's radiotrending.com. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. 